This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Out Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. Hello. And this week we're talking about poor things. Yeah. I think this is the first time I've seen uh, Yorgos Lanthimos' film. I haven't seen The Lobster, but this is like the first time seeing his work. And this was quite a film. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. We will go into spoilers before that. But what did you think before we get into it, Tom? Yeah, well, I'd seen The Favourite before. Uh, I haven't seen The Lobster. Oh, The paper. But, I haven't seen um, that, so yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. And I mean, obviously, I'd heard so many things about Poor Thing. This was a, one that I was very excited for because like so many films, it came out however long ago in America and we've been waiting all this time oh, in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now it's finally out. It uh, came out a few weeks ago. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it i thought it was a very interesting spin on on frankenstein uh, yes. and that, that kind of like story one thing that, that struck me and i don't know how to say this without sounding like harry styles but it feels like a movie it feels like a proper go to the cinema movie. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. like genuinely i feel like the way that it's made it feels almost like a lost art form these kind of huge movies yes. with huge yes. sets there is definitely visual effects, but a lot of them feel very intentionally artificial. The film kind of reminded yes. me of something you might find in the early 20th century. Yeah, and if you go through the surrealism, there's like a really deep, profound message in the film that it took me a long time to think about. I was like, oh, wow, this is something that you know, the film is trying to go across. And I really liked that it was, as you said, it was like a bit of Frankenstein, but also like Pygmalion as well, like from Greek mythology, how a sculptor fell in love with a statue. But this is flipped in that instance of a way we're seeing from one perspective with Emma Stone as well, playing Bella Baxter. And this was, again, such a surreal film. And it definitely felt like you were back at the cinema experiencing something that was so unique, something that you could not take your eyes off about, like the dazzling cinematography, you know, that was just so engaging and you were just completely lost in it. That's how I felt like you were completely lost in the film. And I never felt that again, really, you know, when you're watching a film and it's like, oh, wow, okay, this is something that took me somewhere. Yeah, there are a few directors who can really capture a certain sense of scale. And I feel like this is a type of film that I haven't seen since Babylon. Just the breadth of everything that's being achieved and the way that it's all presented reminded me of what Damien Chazelle did with that film. And, you know, obviously there have been big films since, but none of them felt quite as expansive, felt quite as real and, and alive. Like, it's a world that truly, truly feels... Epic. I would say epic. It's very Yeah, epic. yeah, I, I, I think that's right. So, poor things. <laughs> Full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Okay. Brought back to life by unorthodox scientists, a young woman runs off with a lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continent. Free from her prejudice of her times, she grows steady fast with a purpose to stand for equality and liberation. Nice. I think we should start with what I think is the centre of the film, Emma Stone as Bella Baxter. 
it's such an impressive performance. I don't even know how it's possible to be an adult and act as a child, you know, like actually be a child, make it feel authentic. And I think that Emma Stone does a fantastic job with it. Yeah, it's very difficult for, you know, like an actor to be in such a surreal film. You know, she grows as this character, you know, has this really amazing arc that explored very well with Emma Stone and, you know, her performance. I don't know how to describe it. She is quite a force of nature in this film, but, you know, with the performance, I thought it just stood out, you know, for the rest of the film. And you could really tell with the subtle performance that she gives out and you can tell how much that character has grown, you know, how much she's progressed and that was just a huge thing that just stood out to me with the film you know with the performance and with Emma Stone I've never seen that like with her performance a lot you know I've seen her a lot in rom-coms you know like in Crazy Stupid Love or La La Land but this one was just so so different especially Mark Ruffalo as well but we'll get to that but Emma Stone <laughs> yes. she just, just did it so completely different and it just made you feel like okay where is this story taking me with you know we're following her and it just makes it so unexpected she is completely different in every scene which is very hard to do you know with an actor you know you're trying to give out a character who's constantly developing all the way through but she does it just so naturally right here we're just learning information about bella and maybe the past life she had or you know all of that and it was so impressive yeah i agree she just has this amazing presence on screen and you just feel like you want her to be this guide for the film yeah she almost grows up before your eyes and you're right like each scene she learns a bit extra and you can see her maturing more and more and it's interesting because like she manages to keep a cohesiveness it still feels like the same person and the big reveal that she has to kind of tackle with at one point is that she is um it's kind of difficult to explain but she is the child of herself like she is her own parent like her brain she is the brain of a child put into an into her parents body and how the hell is anyone supposed to act that out but she does it brilliantly um yeah. and i really really loved watching the way that she interacts the way that she kind of like is seeing the world through this really wide-eyed and wonderful way like you know when she's going throughout lisbon and she's looking at all of the sites and all the people and she sees all of the bad and the good in the same lens of awe and amazement and mm. she's exploring herself sexually as well and the film doesn't hold back with the importance that can have for one to find themselves and i thought it was really really great how we then get to contrast that with when she's shown some of the more brutal realities of the world like mm. with the poor people that she sees who are literally living in squalor among dead babies it's a it's a really exaggerated version of a class divide but it, it really works and then also like you know she experiences life as a sex worker and the way that she tackles all of these it all adds to like her experience but the film it doesn't shame her for it particularly with the sex work and the way that she explores herself you know she sleeps around a little bit in this film but the film is never like oh she's wrong for that it always approaches her with as much alignment and sympathy and empathy for mm, everything that yeah. she's feeling and i really really appreciated that because it would be so easy to make her an unlikable character 
but I don't think that they do that at all. And she yes. really does provide the heart and the soul of the film. I agree. And there's some like really interesting details that, you know, you can see her, you know, developing, like, especially she reads books on philosophy and she's experiencing this world for the first time, you know, like she's the child of her mother, you know, like the whole confusing thing. But I really like that she's exploring philosophy, but also exploring this liberation in such a male dominated society. And I think it's quite relevant, you know, with all the themes with white men just dominating society. But it's just crazy how the film doesn't hold back with all the crazy themes as well. And it's just like exploring yourself, but also sexually. And yeah, that was just such a interesting way to explore such a complicated world, but also Bella, you know, who's this character who is finding a lot about herself. Yeah, it feels almost like a companion piece to Barbie in the sense that both films are tackling the patriarchy and living as a woman in the world. And they're taking it from very interesting kind of childlike perspectives, whether that be through Bella's perspective as a child, a literal child or Barbie's perspective as someone who comes from this kind of utopian world. And I thought that was very interesting as well to kind of see how they're, because, you know, this film, it's an 18, it's rated R in America. It's properly like yeah. very gruesome with some of the surgeries that Godwin does. And also, as I say, with all the explicit sex, it's very, very graphic. It's very, um, very, very graphic. Yeah. Um, once you like go into the cinema, yeah, okay, so before you see the trailers, you feel like, okay, this is going to be a weird film. But no, it just goes way beyond that. It just breaks your expectations. You feel like, oh my God, okay, that I, I was not expecting that. And the worst thing was, to put this all in context, I watched this with my parents. So, oh, buddy. Yeah. You know what? So did I. Like, you know what? I'm with you on that. And, and you warned me. You were like, don't watch it with your parents. And I was like, ooh, ah, I have bad news for you. I've already booked it. <laughs> but it's like, I was actually quite interested to see the range of people in the cinema, though. Um, oh yeah it wasn't packed or anything but it, there were definitely you know definitely were quite a few people and you know they did range from like young adults to older people and, and that's also very interesting to see how this film is received by a lot of people this spin on classic tales like Frankenstein like Pygmalion these things that kind of do permeate and I think that what's interesting as well is that it has such heavy themes but again very similarly to Barbie it's a funny movie but does it like, in a subtle way as well yeah it, it is comedic and it doesn't let that kind of overtake some of the more depressing heavy themes but yeah. mark ruffalo is giving oh my god what a brilliantly over-the-top performance i yes. really enjoyed him one of my favorite moments from the film was when he argues with bella at the restaurant and he takes her out and he tries to tell her like that's not the right thing to do and blah 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 being a narcissistic person and <laughs> bella just slaps him and duncan just has this moment of pause like just taking it in and he just went ow <laughs> just like <laughs> it's just so comedic but also he's just like this horrible person you know he's just like mm. he just took that in like he doesn't have that really weird reaction like oh you hit me or something but it was just a great way to set up for the character throughout the film you know who he is exactly he's this narcissistic manipulative person and he tries to you know take bella everywhere literally kidnaps her for the, yes. the traveling as well and mark ruffalo is Again, completely different, you know, from the movies that I've seen a lot because he's mainly this like cold hearted type of person. You know, you get to see him as Hulk, you get to see him as like a detective in Zodiac. 
this one was just almost like it's not Shakespearean in a way, but that type of vibe, but in a such a very over the top, completely mean and brutal, and he just becomes this pathetic guy. Well, he is already pathetic, but he's just like such a amazing acting range from Mark, and I just couldn't believe you know he just had this amazing spark, you know, this kind of thing that he's completely different. Yeah, he he kind of plays this British upper class gentleman, and he's very pompous, and he's very very kind of posh but at the same time he kind of becomes this wreck at numerous points who is just completely <laughs> yeah yeah he's just crying out for her and he's going you know like and and she wants something to do with him at the same time he's obsessed with money and you know when you introduce him he's very much like oh well i i assure you you've never met a man quite like me like you know oh, no man dessert. could give you any of the satisfaction that i give you like and, and and it's it's so funny but also it's so telling given how pathetic he really is i really like that kind of stuff that scene that you talk about where she slaps him he's like i want you to only say three things i would say delightful and like you know he wants her to only say positive things and then like they're at the t- dinner table and this woman's like oh yeah my mum died and, and and Bella's just like <laughs> delightful and it's it's brilliant and and you know Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo have incredible chemistry and they play it so well their comedic yeah. moments work beautifully and there's also a moment when like they're dancing on the dance floor but they're both kind of wrestling <laughs> with each other and they're both trying to get control and then Mark Ruffalo just starts beating random guys who he think are looking at Bella like this is somebody <laughs> who is so insecure somebody who, who, who really wants control over her and that's interesting because quite a lot of the men in the movie nearly every single man apart from max who is the man that bella ends up being with at the end but every single man want to control bella in some way whether it be mark ruffalo's character whether it be willem defoe's character godwin who is like bella's father who wants to keep her in the house who wants to keep her away from society or if it's christopher abbott's character who was bella's oh, body's this. husband yeah. who is one of the most hateable characters as I said earlier, it, it's a it's a pretty gruesome film and very dark. I'm not yeah. I'm not a very squeamish guy, you know, and I wasn't very squeamish by any of it. But there is a bit where they discuss female genital mutilation, you know, like removing Bella's clitoris, up. and that just made me feel sick. Like just to see this man who is such a psychopath who wants control over Bella in so he wants to lock her into into the house. He wants to you know remove the freedom that she has been exercising, freedom to explore her own pleasure. He wants to take that away from her, and you know he literally. Th- threatens to murder her like it's very 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 interesting to see the different levels of male control over women that we get in this film but he is just one of the most dastardly and just oh i hate him so much he was such a disgusting character from the point where you know it was from the wedding scene and you get to see this character and you're like oh Oh, so is he the, you know, the reason why? So for context, the original buddy before Bella, her mother, she jumped off a bridge and it's like, okay, why did she kill herself? You know, what was the motive? You know, all of that. And, you know, it's like a very dark moment in the film when you realize that Christopher Everett's character, Alfie, he's so evil and he just wants this instinct to control Bella just the way that he wants to and it's like this mental thing you know what was Bella's mother going through it uh, you know with him you know with all that and I think that was like the most hard-hitting thing as the film goes on and it's like exploring the world but exploring about her mother how she felt 
And I think that's just done so brilliantly and you just felt so disgusted because of Alfie and, you know, he wants control over there. And I think that was like one of the most satisfying things, you know, he, when he, did he get killed? I, I forgot. Did he get killed? In the no, film? he gets, they put the brain Oh yes, no, no, yeah, yeah, he gets, him. um, yes, I remember now, yes, yeah, he yeah, gets, that, that, uh, that's so satisfying. Uh, that was so satisfying. Yeah, he gets his brain removed and then gets um, a goat brain. Mm. It's an interesting like world that they construct because it's our world. You know, we have England and France and Portugal. But at the same time, it's also like this kind of like fantastical, like all the experiments that Godwin, Godwin I mean, Godwin himself, just like this person who has had so much surgery done on him that he looks like, you know, he describes himself as like a freak a lot, like, and people reject him. And he has all these animals that are like a pug spliced with like a duck or something like that. And mm. at the end, uh, as as we say, we, we have Alfie becoming this um, essentially this goat, and I think it's really interesting how this just world is realized. It's very steampunk. It reminded mm. me of you know like Fritz Lang's Metropolis, um, again yes. like kind of like movies from the, tw- from the early twentieth century that are really kind of expansive and explore what people in those times thought society would look like, which is always really interesting to consider. And um, I really like at the beginning, everything's in black and white. We see life, we we see reality through the lens that Godwin puts onto Bella. And it isn't until she breaks free that we get the color and she gets to experience herself and she gets to have that freedom. And I think that there's definitely something in the film that points towards the natural beauty of the world and the things that people have built, but also that the continued influence of society is exactly what breaks them. Bella is this shining light in the middle of it all who is Mm. good and pure. Like she gets all of Mark Ruffalo's money and wants to give it to the poor. And she gives it to these two guys who are like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. But they obviously won't. They just like take it for themselves. And like the film doesn't even to show that, you know, it implies it to the point where, you know, you believe that because that is what people are like. And the film definitely kind of, you know, society is the problem. That's very much kind of the attitude this film has. We um, live in a society. Whoa, yeah. Whoa. And I yeah. and I thought that, that was just a really, really fascinating way to explore that um, and yeah. explore, you know, the role of men and women, but also like, you know, love as well, you know, like exploring mm. yourself sexually, but also the people that you love. The love that Bella has for Godwin is the one thing that kind of like brings her back from her journeys back home. And, you know, I would argue if I had one thing that I disliked about the film, it would be that because Bella is away, we don't really get to feel the emotions with Godwin and with Max. Like we get a little bit of that, but it's not like something that we really kind of get to spend a lot of time with. Which obviously, you know, this is Bella's film with looking at her emotions, but I do feel like you know with godwin getting sick and dying at the end like that is important to truly understand those emotions and so yeah that is like the one small thing but i really did think this film was so impressive this was such an impressive film and the one thing that surprised me was the cinematography because the cinematography throughout the film was constantly changing and it was very experimental a lot of it you know with the lenses and the one of the things they used was this zeiss lenses where it was from 12 millimeter to between 120 millimeter so they had a lot of zoom ins and a lot of you know you can see a lot of the shots with the characters you know their face you know you you zoom in and you zoom out and it's like this completely different world and where 
it was like literally fish eye lenses. It was like this window you see in this completely different world. And as you were saying, this world was just like ours, but so fabricated. And it was like very steampunky. It reminded me of Bioshock. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah, with Bioshock, it's like very steampunk. And it has that sort of vibe, you know, reflected in our own with issues, a male-dominated society, and, you know, with Bella exploring her liberation. And the cinematography was exploring with Bella in this completely different world. You know, like with the black and white, you know, at the beginning, this is the start of Bella's journey. And I believe that was like, you know, this subtext for like how stories begin you know like this could be a black and white world at first for bella but then when the color changes to where she's completely exploring sexually but also a new place which is lisbon it was like okay this shift in story you know storytelling we we are getting somewhere with the story. So I was really impressed by how they've done the cinematography and you were just constantly, it was like, it felt like it was breathing the cinematography all the way through. Mm. You were just kept shifting perspectives in the most weird, but also amazing shots that you just felt like, what am I exactly seeing, you know, in this shot? Am I seeing this completely different world? Because it's just, again, it's making you realize that this is a completely weird film, but it's reflected with ours. So I was really impressed by that. Yeah, it comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, the sense of scale, the sense of scope. But also there's a lot of uh, intimacy that I thought was really great. The cinematographer is Robbie Ryan, who worked in The Favourite, but also did Marriage Story. And you can really see kind of like the kind of same connection between characters that you get in that film and is, is echoed in this I think his work was great, but also the score. I thought the score was really interesting. There's a lot oh, of really yeah, like violent violin and strings. And I think that was really interesting to kind of like explore passion and explore emotion. It reminded me very much of Hilda Goodnotatir score for Joker. Oh yeah. Which was Oscar winning. And that is also a lot of strings. And I thought that was really, really interesting to kind of explore that kind of expression of emotion in such a way thought it was very very interesting to have the music be just as expressive as the rest of the film it it really is just made to perfection every note of the film just kind of all comes together really really well yeah and again this is a very surreal film and the music was just elevating it in many different ways it was just the strings that were kind of intense but also like this wonder of like this journey that was dying on and i was just so impressed how that was just making us constantly feel this feeling but i do agree with that small bit about you know exploring about bella's emotions but i was just so impressed how this film was getting through and and the production design as well you know like you were just getting a lot of visual flair and it was breaking a lot of, you know, we get in a lot of films that are very, I mean, like comic book films, you know, like it's not there. But this one, this was just a very amazing change of pace to see, you know, what we're seeing with films. And it's like, finally, we get to see something that is quite different. And it's something that everyone can see, like it's got Emma Stone. And there was loads of people in my cinema that was just so excited to see oh. Brilliant. Emma Stone and it was breaking this norm of like you know you're watching the film and you're like ew why are you watching 
a weird film. It is a weird film, like surrealism, but with everybody that's coming together to explore it. And there was some, there was some people that walked out uh, out of the cinema. Yes. Like, no. Yes. No, same. No. Yeah. People yeah. who were like, oh, it's it's sexual. Oh no, I can't be having that. Um, but it it really is like you know it, it's crazy, it's bonkers, it's mad, but also like that's kind of what makes it so great. And I think that's kind of the takeaway here is that you know all audiences need to do is be a, you know like open themselves up a little bit. And I am really happy this is getting a lot of acclaim. Same with like you know with uh, Oscar season and this film's getting a lot of talk. So you know I can see it winning big because it is really really interesting. And um, what are you going to give Poor Things out of ten? I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Yeah. I agree. Now ten. It's a it's a good start to the year for sure, for sure. Yes. And um, thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you liked it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five star review if you think we're worthy. Next week we are doing from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughan. It's Argyle, which um, <laughs> okay. we will see. I have no idea what to expect, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, I, we'll, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, send us an email at asktimefilmbar.gmail.com. Tell us, let us know your thoughts on Argyle. Let us know what you think it's going to be like and ask us any questions. We'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. Yes, and you can follow us on Instagram at outoftimefilmpod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zane Asville on Twitter for more thoughts from Tom and TikTok to see edited clips, which are all also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to that all in the description below. Thanks to L. James Mayer for the excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals as always. And I think that's everything. And Brilliant. I never felt so uncomfortable because I didn't want to talk about it with my parents because I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, good film. And I, I was just trying to get to the profound message. Take what you're giving. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>